This week, we have another full slate of games to look forward to. Luckily for us, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered with so many different ways to get in on the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. Plus, they have new odds, boosts, and promotions on your favorite sports every day. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from wherever, whenever, you don't even have to leave your house. And for those where sports betting is not yet available, head to the DraftKings app and check out all of their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SI when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code SI to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Yo, what's up? Welcome inside the SI Gambling Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings' best fe- best bets on a football Friday. Corey, Frankie, and Benny getting ready to take you into a Vegas Whispers winning weekend, and we got a special guest joining us a little bit later on on the program. It is SI's own Jenny Ventress. Ben, you got the chance to talk to Benny. Was I mean to, to Benny? Ben, you got the chance to talk to Jenny. What's going on with her? What she got? What she got going on? And what do you think about some of her picks for this weekend? They were sharp, man. It was always good to to catch up with Jenny Ventus, the the senior writer over at SI and the Monday Morning Quarterback. Frankie and I, I had a really good conversation with her late on Thursday. Also, really encourage anybody to head over to the NFL page. Both her, Greg Bishop. Uh, as well as Gary Grambling, uh, put together a really interesting piece uh, on the guy that's leading the the Houston Texans right now and Jack Easterby. And he's basically somebody that has risen to the top of that organization that probably doesn't deserve to be there. Uh, they take a really deep dive into the current situation for the Texans as well as how he got to where he is. So really insightful read. And uh, she had some outstanding picks and was really a lot of fun to talk to. So highly encourage everybody to check out that article and uh, looking forward to having her be a part of the show today. Speaking of the Houston Texans, Frankie, I think I when we was doing the Bull Market uh, Fantasy Podcast earlier, you mentioned there could be some interesting action going down with the Houston Texans this weekend in their game against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, that that game, you know, listen, guys, there's there is some strong support right now um, out here in Vegas right now towards the uh, Houston Texans and 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 fading uh, a Chicago Bears team right now. And it's it's it was interesting. I mean, I, I was surprised to see that money because, you know, that you often look at these games, guys, and it looks like a trap game. And also you also, you know, listen, in normal years outside of 2020 and a pandemic and COVID-19, you know, mo- most times the shops, they would be looking to avoid laying the points on the road. They would often be looking to, you know, back to home dog. But with no fans in the stands, it seems like they're looking to fade right now. Uh, you know, Coach Nagy and the, the and the Bears right now and looking to jump on board supporting a hot Deshaun Watson. So there's a team to keep an eye on as we approach kickoff on Sunday. A lot of you getting ready for your fantasy football playoffs. If you're not, still can have some fun hopping on some of these wages. I'll start it off with my best bet for the week, and I'm going to take it right here across the bridge and head out to the Meadowlands in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And I am going to focus in on this game between the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants, and I'm going to take the under 
45 and a half. That's what DraftKings Sportsbook has it listed as right now, Ben. I'm looking at the Arizona Cardinal team 0-6 over under on the road this year. New York Giants are also a team that plays to the under. Matter of fact, these two teams combined 7-18, no, 7-16 and 1 to the under on the season. So I'm going to take the under in this one right here, that Giants defense playing stout. Obviously, Frankie was all over the fact that Kyler Murray, like he was going to be slowing down, and he has started to slow down. So I'm going to take the under on this one, Ben. What do you think? I like that play a lot, considering a wide variety of factors. You have Kyler Murray, as you mentioned, Corey, who doesn't appear to be 100% healthy. I thought it was an encouraging sign that they got DeAndre Hopkins back involved in the game last week, and that game ended up clearing the over they were at home against the Rams, but you know Jared Goff has just destroyed the Cardinals over the last two years going up against Vance Joseph in that defense. Uh, but the reason that I like the under in this game is that it feels like the line is just a, a tad bit too high. Daniel Jones is questionable, and, and regardless of whether you believe in Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy with this Giants offense, is that they're still going to be very slow, very methodical. Wayne Gallman is going to get involved in the run game. You know, we'll see what happens if any of their other running backs get involved as well. But they're, they're going to plot it out. And their defense has been sneaky good over the last several weeks, especially in the midst of their, of their winning streak. I still like the Cardinals to cover the spread in this game, just because I feel like everybody's on the Giants right now. And the Cardinals really do need this game if they're trying to, to compete for a playoff spot. Uh, in the NFC because things are starting to get out of hand quick in a division that is awfully tough to try and compete in right now. So I I'm not ruling the Cardinals out, but I also think they're going to have some issues moving the ball. And I also think the Giants, just based on the fact that you have another week of tape on Colt McCoy, it's not going to be any easier for them. Cardinals still have a good defense. They just haven't been as good as of late. I Frankie. Frank, um, I Frankie Ben said he does like the Cardinals on the spread. I am on the under 45 and a half. How does this play look for you right now? Are the boys out there on the strip saying anything about this game? Yeah, well, they're, they're a little bit obvious, uh, uh, opposite, uh, Ben, right now because they're, look, they're viewing the Giants right now as a live dog, um, not only with the points, but they're also sprinkling some money around the around the money line on this game. You know, I wrote about this several weeks ago that, you know, that a lot of people may be crying on, in their in their spilt milk over there if they're, you know, in fantasy land, you know, among all of us high-stakes players, if you were counting on Cam Newton or Kyla Murray once the fantasy playoff started. And I was all over it last night once again because I... I faded Cam Newton hard in betting uh, his under overall touchdowns, one and a half under his rushing total and under his passing total. And, you know, listen, guys, that was an easy one to hit as he was yanked when the game got out of reach and they went in favor of Jared Stidham. And I believe that, you know, that you could be looking at the Arizona Cardinals struggling as well on the road. You know, right now he's not playing as healthy. I still believe that there's something wrong either with his ankle or his knee that somehow we're going to find out about him playing in a limited fashion. Probably once the season ends and now it doesn't help guys that going into windy conditions you know and cold conditions you know up at the Meadowlands over at MetLife Stadium this weekend you know and and possibly without a 100% healthy lethal weapon that he has on the outside and DeAndre Hopkins guys we know that he's limping into this game in the wrong direction he's been limited he was limited once again in practice again today so I'm a little bit concerned about that but that is a player that I said and highlighted along with Cam Newton and I can't you know I'm going to be putting my money where my mouth is I'll be backing in the props for Kyla Murray again this week. And I love the way that the Giants are playing right now. They're going to be getting Daniel Jones back, it looks like, under center. And I believe that Wayne Goldman is running the ball effectively. I think the Giants are a live dog, and so do the Shops. A lot of the places, if you're looking to get grab the Giants right now and you're looking for that full three points on the field on the spread, 
I would jump on that spread early because I actually believe that that, that three full field goal points, that won't be there come Sunday, come kickoff. I believe this number is trending, and it's trending down towards the home team. And I believe that you'll be seeing this move through that prime number of three real quick. Uh, what about the total, though, 45, 45 and a half? You think that drops down, too? Am I, am I on the right side on that, or am I out, out of my wits on that? I believe that you're actually on the right side of that, Corey. The only thing that I do worry about against you is having the ability of, you know, listen, when it gets windy and Kyla Murray, you saw what happened in that New England game that, you know, I believe the Giants will probably employ the same kind of defense where they're going to look to throw guys at him in his passing lane. And I think they're going to jump up because it looks like he's having a little bit of trouble throwing over the top of defenders that are coming and blitzing in the A and B gaps. So for me, we saw it happen in the New England game. They tip passes. They had short feet. Fields, and that game still was able to stay under the, co- the total, I believe. You know, against New- you know against New England in that game, but I, I would be a li- that's the only reason why I would be a little bit skeptical about going under that total is if he gives the Giants short fields to work with. But overall, I believe that if I had to play make a side on, a play on the total, I believe that I think you're on the right side. I would be looking to back the under as well. Interesting. I also might sprinkle a little something on this game to go to overtime because that's what I think it could ultimately blowing up that total if this game goes to overtime because something about this game seems to have overtime written all over it. Heisler, my man. Benny Heis. How about Dick Vitale giving us the, the like on that tweet yesterday? Yeah. How about that? Go in there and help in and give us your best bet for week number 14. All right. I'm going back because the primetime games for me have been fairly successful, and I've gone away from those with the exception of uh, the Patriots game last week. Uh, it's been a little bit more of a disaster. So I'm going to go back to the primetime well, and Pittsburgh is on the road against the Buffalo Bills. We saw this game. In fact, we talked about this a little bit, uh, Frankie, when we were uh, recording with Jenny. The idea that we saw Pittsburgh open up two and a half point favorites on the road against Buffalo, and that line is completely reversed. Uh, At one point, I think the Bills had gotten up to two and a half point favorites at home. That line has now since moved back in Pittsburgh's direction to the point where you can get the Steelers at plus two on the road against Buffalo. I'm not going to take anything away from what I saw out of Josh Allen against the 49ers. He was terrific. He was efficient. He moved the ball exceptionally well, and he didn't get any sort of pressure. Uh, And again, with the 49ers, that's usually a staple for them. But with all the injuries that they've dealt with over the course of the year, uh, that's been one of their bigger issues this year. Stephon Diggs continues to play exceptionally well. uh, And Allen was just comfortable and did whatever he wanted to do. I don't think that happens against Pittsburgh for a couple of reasons. The first is that Pittsburgh is finally going to start to get back on some sort of a regular schedule. The last two weeks, and and people tend to forget about this, uh, remember their game kept getting moved and moved and delayed and delayed against the Ravens while they were dealing with their COVID situation. Now, they ended up beating the Ravens, but then had to turn things around on a five-day schedule and play Washington on a Monday afternoon. Guys, the Steelers haven't had a regular game time in their last two games, and you knew that that type of turnaround even two consecutive games at home was going to weigh on a veteran team and just screw screw things up like the NFL is about repetition and practice and, and staying on a schedule and the Steelers weren't able to do that the last couple of weeks now they have a real schedule again and now they play in a primetime game and I don't think this is a team who hadn't lost up until last week that's going to lose two games in a row so now I get them with the points I get them with an opportunity to confuse Josh Allen who is still occasionally turnover prone I, I think the wrong team is favored here despite all the movement towards Buffalo I like the Steelers plus two. Interesting one right here, Frankie, because you got a primetime game that's going to be heavily bet and the numbers are going to continue to bounce around. What do you think? 
Uh, I actually believe that he's on the right side here. I've, I've caught wind of several uh, shop outlets that right now their their respected money is backing Pittsburgh, and they grabbed that two and a half, and it really it late last night, and they, it, this number dropped to one and a half at that same respected shop. But guys, I'm going to actually say that the more respected money that that we do follow at times, uh, they've they've sprinkled some money on the over in this game as well. So I believe that you know that, that this game could be looking to light up the scoreboard. Both quarterbacks are playing efficiently right now. Now. So for me, I believe that he is on the right. I think that Ben is on the right side and on the sharp side right now because I think there was too much of a strong overreaction to this uh, to this line. You know, obviously we know this is the biggest mover on the entire board for Week 14 because we saw a a team that was once a home dog is now a you know a, a moderate home favorite approaching you know a full field goal of points you know but immediately the shops found value there and quickly grabbed that money because I think this line might have inverted a little too quickly and because of the fact that as we often talk about here at SI gambling recency bias and you know it, it's what have you done for me lately right now and and optics have a lot to do with NFL wagering and I think the shops found the value in backing a team that only has one loss on the season right now you know they did look a little bit bad la- last week you know, and, and looked ordinary against a Washington football team. But overall, guys, I believe that, you know, I think that Ben is on the right side right now, but I would also be paying attention to that over on going over the points in the total. All right, let's get in here and break it down. Ben, you know what I'm saying? It looks like we got a situation where we could have Pittsburgh Steelers and the over. So that's a good look right there. Now, Frankie, what is your best bet for the week? For me, I'm going to be going. Uh, I'm going to be looking at a team that is act- actually is without a home. They're homeless. They're like orphans right now in an orphanage, you know. Because guys, they they really don't have a home, and that would be the San Francisco 49ers. You know, unfortunately, because of COVID nineteen restrictions right now, they are not able to play their home games in Santa Clara. So this game is going to be for the second consecutive week uh, moved to uh, Arizona for the home of the uh, Arizona Cardinals, and they will be facing a, a Washington football team right now, guys. That I believe is absolutely hungry. I also believe, I've already put a little bit of coin on it, that the Washington football team will be the team that will emerge victorious and take down the NFC East crown. Earlier today, you know, we, we did this over at the Best Bets, and I was able to phone a friend um, and get, uh, take advantage of what I felt was a stale line over at DraftKings Sportsbook, and I was able to grab uh, the uh, Washington football team with that lovable hook right there. I was able to grab three and a half when all shops in town here in Vegas had moved to uh, only plus three. I was able to grab that three. I did have to lay extra juice, lay in minus 120. But as of this taping now, we see that, you know, DraftKings Sportsbook has actually uh, move that line now and you're only seeing plus three but I was able to get three and a half and I believe that the Washington football team is a team that's going to travel well I believe with an Alex Smith right now I really love what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball I think they have one of the hungriest most underrated defenses right now in the NFL so for me my best bet on the board in week 14 is to back the Washington football team plus three and a half going into uh, San Francisco well really going into Arizona and take care of a slumping San Francisco 40 United team that guys I feel that after last week's debacle against the Buffalo Bills I think they may be looking to pack it in yeah I think I think I might see some quit inside this 49er team a team that was trying to get on track and probably make a push but it looks like that division might be a little bit too tough trying too tough to get over this injuries Ben so it might be time to wrap it in what do you think about Frankie's best bet it makes all the sense in the world but I'm also somebody that is looking at it from the perspective of all right the 49ers probably could have thrown in the towel a while ago, right? And and they didn't. 
like they've played hard. They've continued to find ways to to get their defense around. You've talked to Richard Sherman uh, last week talked about Robert Sala and and how they envision him as a future head coach somewhere. And they do want to play hard for him because they know that if they fall apart, that likely reflects poorly on him. So. Yeah, while Washington makes all the sense in the world with how physical they've been on the offensive side of the ball, they're running it well. Um, you know, Antonio Gibson goes down, and then all of a sudden it's, it's Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick being able to step up. They still have Terry McLaren. Um, there's plenty of offensive weapons there, and the defense has stepped up the last several weeks. But I think I still am considering, and again, it depends on where the line ends up settling for this game. It's probably going to be a stay away for me, but. I do think the 49ers make this a little bit closer than, than most people would anticipate, just because I, I don't think that defense is going to be embarrassed for the second consecutive week. It, the really only blowout that I remember from Washington this year, guys, uh, was against the Dallas You know what I mean? So I, I do think, I do think the 49ers keep it a little bit closer than, than how we remember them from, you know, previously on, on Monday night football. It is a bit of a short turnaround for them. And maybe you guys are right. Maybe this season is over for them, but I, I do think they still have a little bit of fight left in them. And, and I think that will come out this week. I, I actually, the only thing that I would say in rebuttal to that, or a little bit of my, you know, that I feel is I believe that you're hundred percent right. They showed that they had a lot of fight. And I actually believe that the 49ers might be a team that you actually wanted to back because I thought that they, you know, if they, snuck somehow if they went on a little bit of a run and snuck into the playoffs there would be a team that you probably wouldn't want to really face because they are getting healthier and getting some guys back and they've but, been there and 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 exactly and they're getting back and I I, I think that I've as of right now I mean you guys can correct me I still believe that George Kittle is still not going to be on the back on the field back this week and no, you know I, and I yeah so so for me I feel like that's a player right now that they really need to have back on the field and I'm worried because I you know I'm a little bit concerned because I think that they had that fight they had that desire but after last week's loss to San Francisco it more or less put a fork and you know and said you're done for the entire 2020 season I think that loss they needed that win to be able to keep pace and and fight really for that last wild card spot and I think that that's really gone out the window now so I'm a little bit of you know worried about the wind being out of the sails and you know and the balloon being a little bit deflated so I just don't feel that these 49ers maybe really up for this game as they would have been. So I agree, Ben. I believe that they were hungry and they were a team with fight, but I think that they may come, you know, and be looking ahead to off-season plans and getting with their family and ending up and wrapping up the season and getting, you know, maybe inside a bubble with their family and, and you know, getting away from any of these uh, restrictions and going to their hometowns. All right, so getting ready to – got a big sports weekend this weekend. You know, obviously a lot of things going on. We got NBA preseason basketball, we got college basketball, and we had the NFL, obviously, and we got some NCAA football going down this weekend as well. But as I was looking through the schedule and going through some of the bets and stuff like that, I noticed that me and Frankie, both our alma maters, were in play in college basketball tonight. You know what I'm saying? So and I remember, you know, hearing from, hearing Ben before mention that he had went to Indiana University. So I was like, it'd be interesting to do a people's parlay of our alma maters, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to start off first. Tonight, my South Carolina State Bulldogs get up for the Bulldogs. Everybody get up. So they play the College of Charleston in NCAA basketball. Now, South Carolina State is 0-5 on the year. They have lost every game by over 20 points. Tonight, they play the College of Charleston. The College of Charleston is not that much better. The College of Charleston is 1-3 on the year. 
When I woke up this morning, this number was the College of Charleston laying 19. The number is now up to 21 and a half on the DraftKings Sportsbook. So here we go. I'm going to take my alma mater, South Carolina State University, to cover a 21 and a half point spread on a team that's 0-5 and just lost by 40 the other night. Now, Frankie, you are up next. Your college basketball team's a little bit, just a little bit better than mine. Now, Frankie, we talked some CHAAA basketball earlier. I mean to tell you this. A dude that I went to school with had some very big moments at Villanova, Alan Ray. Oh, yes. Alan Ray. He went to school when I was there. I love Alan Ray. Alan Ray was a phenomenal talent playing alongside Randy Foy. He was he was he was one of the architects that really came and set the overall uh, landscape and the pipeline for Jay Wright being known for being guard you. Because ever since then, that you know, Randy Foy was, you know, uh, unfortunately on the bad end of a phantom traveling call against North Carolina. I was going to bring that game up. That was a very talented. Terrible call. Absolutely terrible call. It should have been an easy and one. I have no idea where that came from, but that was that led you know and motivated a Villanova program to to, to take no prisoners in their run and becoming probably most likely and especially in my eyes and in some of other media outlets the team of the decade. You know, after that point from 2010 to 2020, becoming one of the best teams in the country because Jay Wright you know really put that program together. But Randy Foy, man, that kid had a pure beautiful outside three-point shot and he could drive and he was an effective guy off the bounce yeah alan ray was a dude that went to st raymond's high school for boys all right so now i'm taking the numbers i'm catching the 21 and a half with the bulldogs what are you doing with the villanova wildcats well, I, I see if we're going to be doing some of that stuff that you were doing earlier. I guess I got to be like, V for Villanova, V for victory. But anyway, no, in, in all honesty, guys, we got Villanova right now opening up a Big East play tonight against the Georgetown Hoyas, the Destroyers, you know, a team that Villanova took down in their first national championship game back in 1985 when Ed Pinckney and the boys, before I was even, when I was just a little kid and before I was even anywhere even thinking about going to Villanova and took out Patrick Ewing and the and the Georgetown Hoyas in that 1985 classic before there was a shot clock and really took the ball air out of the ball when Villanova shot an incredible, you know, 83% from the field in that game. And Villanova just absolutely, you know, uh, captivated an audience with one of the biggest upsets in NCAA college basketball history. And that rivalry is going to be continued tonight, guys. And I will take the Villanova Lyocats and I will be laying the 11 and a half in the uh, Villanova's home opener uh, for of sorts. You know, obviously there'll be limited fans uh, in the stands it looks like Villanova is going to be restricting the fans to only friends and family of the program. There'll be no real strong family uh, outside support. There'll be no fa- uh, students at the game. There'll also be no, uh, you know, m- more or less uh, any alumni or any boosters or anybody like that over at the at the game right now. And Villanova is off to a four and one start. Um, they were playing in the bubble. You know, they did have one strong defeat, but you know they were ranked number three. Then they lost. Then they lost. Uh, you know, a heartbreaking game. I'll be honest, guys, you know, that, you know, I, I really believe that they would play well, but it was a, a hungry Virginia Tech team that they scheduled only a couple of days afterwards due to a, uh, a COVID-19 when they lost the game on their schedule. And they scheduled that game right there. And Virginia Tech was up to task and beat Villanova in overtime. But so far, Villanova is four and one straight up, three and two against the number. But anytime I get the opportunity to lay my, to, to bat, bat, you know, absolutely back my school, guys, I have to. I believe that Jay Wright is one of the best guys against the spread, and Villanova often is, a, is cashing tickets. So for me, I'll be laying the 11 and a half with Villanova at home tonight against Georgetown. 
so Frankie, you I mean, so Ben, you see the sharp dis, uh, the sharp contrast. I'm catching <laughs> 21 and a half versus <laughs> the College of Charleston, while Frankie is laying 11 and a half versus the Georgetown Hoyers. No college basketball in Indiana tonight. I do have a phenomenal uh uh um story about Bobby Knight that I cannot say on this podcast. But no IU hoops tonight, Ben, Indiana University. But how are you going to contribute to the alma mater people's parlay? All right. So I, I don't have an alma mater in the mix here. But uh, if we're going and finding something that's a little bit close to home, uh, you got the Land of Lincoln battle. I don't even know what it's called because I don't know if it's really a real rivalry between Illinois and Northwestern. The Wildcats are 14-point uh, favorites at home. They're going to play Ohio State next week in the Big Ten Championship. Like, that's already been decided. Clearly, the committee is out to get Indiana. They wanted Ohio State to win, They, regardless of whether or not they had enough games to be able to make it. So they changed the rules to benefit Ohio State. That's fine. It's Indiana. You knew that we were going to find a way to lose, even though we won. We still find a way to lose. It's what happens in Indiana football. Regardless, I'm looking at this matchup for Northwestern and saying, okay, they just need to win at Illinois to still remain in any sort of balance for a, a solid bowl game. But, you know, they don't need to clobber them. And, and that's not really their style. They're a really tough defensive-oriented team. It's a Pat Fitzgerald team. They're going to kind of grind it out. Peyton Ramsey, who's actually an Indiana transfer, went over to Northwestern this year and has put up some solid numbers. They just had one bad loss against Michigan State where they just got clobbered in the first quarter and then were fine the rest of the way. So Northwestern's still a good team. And conversely, on the other side for Illinois, Lovey Smith, who's been there now for five years, has just not gotten the job done. And I really thought that that was going to be a rock-solid hire when he came there. Every solid Bears defensive player from the Lovey Smith era continues to rave about him, whether it be Brian Urlach or Lance Briggs or Mike Brown or anybody that's ever played for Lovey Smith loved playing for him. So I'm still kind of surprised that it hasn't worked out at the collegiate level. But I think especially with Northwestern knowing that they don't really need to win big because they're already playing in the Big Ten championship game. I like Illinois uh, at, at plus 14 to go to Northwestern. Don't have to worry about any fans in the stands. And frankly, if they do, Northwestern doesn't have the, the most insane game day environment anyway. So I think Illinois can hang around for a little bit. I think they can surprise some people, uh, maybe make this a bit of a game before Northwestern eventually pulls away. It's not going to be a lot of scoring. It's not going to be a whole lot of fun. But if we're going and trying to find something that conveys either an alma mater or something that's a little bit close to home, we'll go to Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois, about 15 minutes away from where I grew up. Give me Illinois, the Fighting Illini, at plus 14 to just hang around and be a thorn in the Wildcat side this weekend. Guys, I'm just going gonna, gonna to throw in one other thing real quick. You know, I know that we always love these. And, Corey, I know you love the dogs and the live dogs. Keep an eye tonight on another Big East game. There's been some strong movement towards the St. John's Red Storm tonight against Seton Hall, another Big East matchup. You know, check, check look at that game right now because, oh, you know, I've, I've already been uh, alerted to the fact that St. John's went from a plus 210 money line underdog to now plus 160 out here in Vegas. There's been a 50-cent move to St. John's Red Storm. So look to possibly, there could be some noise made tonight by a guy that a lot of people are going to maybe learn about in the college basketball season, and that would be St. John's uh, you know, uh, Red Storm's Posh Alexander, who I believe, you know, a lot of people were thinking that he was going to go to Seton Hall and then reverse gears, and all of a sudden, you know, he's putting on the, you know, the red and black of, of St. John's. So keep an eye on that game. There's been some strong, quiet support 
towards the Johnnies tonight. So, let, you know, guys, if you're looking for anything to maybe juice up some parlays tonight, it looks like the St. John's uh, Red Storm, who opened out here in Vegas at plus 7.5 and, and are now down to plus 4.5, plus 4 out here in some shops. There's been some serious money both on the money line, dropping 50 cents, as well as on the spread, dropping almost 3, 3.5 three points. So look at St. John's right now, who may be a live underdog. Uh, Posh Alexander from the Boogie Down Bronx, New York. It's funny you mention that. And as we're talking and wrapping up the People's Parlay and talking on my models, I should have mentioned there's two St. John's alumni right upstairs. So there you go right there. So there you go. That's good stuff right there. All right. So that is the SI. That is the first portion of the SI Gambling Podcast for Friday. Got our best bets in there. Got you your People's Parlay. So it should be a good, fun weekend. But before we close things out, our guys, Benny and Frankie, got a chance to catch up with this week's SIS Gambling Guest Picker, she's a senior writer here at Sports Illustrated covering the NFL. You can hear her on as you can hear her on many of the MMQB podcasts. Here is the girl, our good friend, Jenny Ventress, with Benny and Frankie. As we continue on in our Get to Know You series as part of our SI families, we welcome on the senior writer for Sports Illustrated and the Monday Morning Quarterback, wrote an outstanding piece that you can find as part of Thursday's Daily Cover by heading on over to sportsillustrated.com. And she's going to make some picks with us today. Jenny Vrentis is with us on the SI Gambling Podcast. Hi, Jenny. Hi, great to be here with you guys. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm excited to get to your picks. Frankie's already got a lot of the information ready to go, so we'll fly through this. But okay. but before we do, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity, especially for a lot of our listeners and a lot of our followers that have intrigue, whether it be for this upcoming game for Deshaun Watson going up against the Bears, a bit of a revenge game, if you will, considering that Ryan Pace passed on the opportunity to pick him up. But uh, your story that you wrote with Greg Bishop over at Sports Illustrated followed Jack Easterby and his sort of ability to move towards the top of the food chain in Houston. And it's a fascinating story. So I'm curious as to what led you down this road to really do a, a deep dive into how he ended up getting power that he probably shouldn't have gotten. Yeah, no, thanks for asking. And Gary Gramling, our senior editor, also worked with us on the story. There's just been a lot of questions around the league about what is going on in Houston. They fired Bill O'Brien earlier this season, and Jack Easterby is at the top of the organization. And he's had this really unique path in the NFL. He started out as a chaplain for the Chiefs. He became a character coach for the Patriots and was there as a part of their later dynasty years. And then he came to Houston where he had a bigger opportunity and that opportunity continued to grow over time. So our goal was to kind of make sense of this rapid ascent. Uh, and we found a lot of mixed opinions. There are some people that vouch for Easterby saying that he's this positive guiding voice in their life uh, that really has directed them through tough times. He's led some franchises through tough times, both the Chiefs and the Patriots, uh, dealing with tragedies off the field. Uh, but there's also a lot of people in Houston um, that paint a different picture uh, of someone that has come into the organization and really changed the culture, they say, for the worse. Um, so hearing some of their accounts of some of the things that have gone on in the less than two years since he's been in Houston, um, and there's been something of a power vacuum in the organization. Bob McNair died, leaving Cal McNair, his son, in charge. Uh, Easterby arrives. Brian Gain, uh, the general manager, was fired shortly thereafter. Bill O'Brien was fired a little bit of a year later. And now we'll have to see where the Texans go from here. They made clear that Easterby will not be the next general manager, they say. And whoever they hire for that role will determine his role 
uh, Easterby's role moving forward. Uh, they also said that Easterby is not on the search committee for that. But he's really uh, played a big role in where that organization is now. And some of the things in the accounts that have gone in the building, um, you know, we share in the story to kind of give a, shed a little bit of light in terms of the impact that he's had uh, that in Houston, according to people we spoke to, has not always been a positive one. No doubt. And imagine too, and we could probably have a, a much longer conversation on the NFL hiring practices in general with regards to a lot of these different executives can come into power and sort of the ability that they might have long-term when they really shouldn't have gained it to begin with. So it's a fascinating piece. Encourage anybody who is listening today to make sure you check it out. You can go to si.com or si.com slash NFL for more information. But we wanted to bring you on because Jenny, by the way, for anybody that's been following the uh, the Monday morning quarterback expert picks, uh, Jenny has been crushing it over the course of the season. But I wanted to dive in and, and talk a little bit of some of these picks against the spread. And let's start with Tennessee. A big surprise for a lot of us. Frankie and I were both on the Tennessee side last week when they were a home favorite against Cleveland at minus five and a half. They're currently seven and a half point favorites on the road against Jacksonville. Certainly a bounce back situation. And you seem fairly confident that the Titans against the one win Jacksonville Jaguars can get it done. Yeah, the Jaguars played better last week. Mike Glennon has you know, been a decent quarterback stepping in. They've had a lot of change at that position, obviously, this season. But just feel like the Titans are a much better team than the Jaguars. Uh, aside from last week when Derrick Henry did not perform the way we normally expect him to at this time of year, he's very productive in the winter months. Uh, there's some injuries on the Jaguars defense. I think it's a bad matchup. I think they'll have trouble stopping Derrick Henry. So I, uh, yeah, I went with the Titans uh, on this one. And I, you know... They're favored to win by seven and a half points, but I think they have a good chance of dominating this game against the Jaguars. And after a disappointing loss last week, they really need this to hold position in the AFC South. Frankie, as far as the Titans are concerned, we haven't really seen a whole lot of line movement. It opened up at seven and a half. It has stayed at seven and a half. What are you hearing about the matchup? Well, actually, uh, guys, since we've been uh, you know doing this in the last 14 minutes over at DraftKings Sportsbook, this number has actually came, come down to seven. So it's lost the hook. And out here in Vegas at some respected shops, this number actually opened at nine and a half last week. You know, it's you know in the early look ahead lines. So th this number has actually seen some steam towards the Jacksonville side. So right now, I, I actually tend to agree. I mean, I've been on the Tennessee side. I think there's a great opportunity and a great matchup from the quarterback position. I believe that Ryan Tannehill should have a really solid performance. I'm a little bit concerned, though, that maybe there's been some sharp inside information as to the overall availability and the health of star wide receiver A.J. Brown. We know that he was coming off a knee injury, and now it looks like he might be battling an ankle injury as well. But when I see this kind of you know steam movement, as well as you know, you guys were referencing a, a number that was there not too long ago, but within the last 12 minutes has actually moved and lost the hook. So this number is actually overall, from a vet Vegas betting standpoint, this number opened at 9.5 in the early line lines out here in Vegas last week and has lost two and a half points to the Jacksonville side. So right now I actually really, I'm, I'm actually, maybe there'll be even more steam. Let's see if it moves through that prime number of seven. And if it does, and it drops down to six and a half, I really like Jenny's side of laying the wood with uh, Tennessee, you know, overall, but it looks like right now, Jenny, you're a little bit on an Island right now because <laughs> all the money looks like it's steaming in on Jacksonville. 
I'll, I'll, I'll hop on Frentis Island. I, I agree with Jenny's play at Tennessee minus seven and a half. Uh, as a Bears fan who uh, has watched Mike Glennon play, and I know that the last few weeks have been closer than, than maybe a lot of us would have anticipated, at some point there's going to be enough film on Mike Glennon to prove to the world that he's Mike Glennon. Tennessee needs this game. I don't mind being there, even if it's at minus seven as opposed to minus seven and a half. Uh, another favorite, Jenny, that you're on this week is the New Orleans Saints, and they have a matchup going up on the road against Philadelphia. Big opportunity for Jalen Hurts to get the start over Carson Wentz this week. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts came in last week. He provided the Eagles offense with a bit of a spark. But my overall assessment of the Eagles is that there are just so many things that have gone wrong this season. Yes, there were issues with Carson Wentz's play, but it wasn't the only issue with the Eagles offense. There was play calling concerns, uh, lack of depth at the wide receiver position. It just felt like plays were going wrong for a different reason every time. So I don't feel like by swapping in Hertz, they will all of a sudden fix the ills of the team that, that the team has been facing all season. So I like the Saints in this matchup. They have continued to roll even with Drew Brees out. Um, he's on the verge of returning, but uh, until he's 100% healthy, sticking with Taysom Hill, I like New Orleans in this one. Where are you seeing the action on this game, Frankie, for Saints and Eagles? I've seen it some books that line come down to six and a half uh, as far as the line goes, but uh, where are you seeing it for now? Yeah, I, I reached out to several of my sources this morning out here in Vegas, and this number, as you alluded to, uh, guys, it it, it was uh, it opened out here in Vegas last week with the Saints laying six and a half, and quickly that number you know moved up to seven. But then upon the news, shockingly, guys, that Jalen Hurts would be in, uh, incorporated and you know now be on the center for the Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz going to the bench. This line this morning, you know, and this afternoon continues to. Like ben, you were just alluding to it. I'm seeing a lot more six and a halves than I do sevens right now. So right now, it seems like there is some strong love and support for Jalen Hurts, which is a little bit surprising to me because I kind of agree with uh, Jenny. Uh, I, I believe that she's on the right side here. I, I like this number even better at six and a half. I like it even better if it can get get, get down to six as well. I'd like to lose that added hook. But, you know, for me right now, it's tough for me to back Jalen Hurts. I think this is a difficult situation to put the rookie in because I think the Saints defense is really under, you know, is really underappreciated right now. And I think that, you know, Taysom Hill, I think he's going to have, you know, be effective once again in this game, both in his using his legs and his arms, because I really don't see anything from this Philadelphia Eagle team that looks like they're showing me any way or any shape or form that any of us should be putting any of our hard-earned money behind that Eagle team right now. So I'm a little bit surprised right now, and I believe that there's even better value at this number dropping below that prime number of seven. So, Jenny, I think that you have a solid pick there, and it looks like, you know, despite the fact that there's a lot of love out there for Jalen Hurts, I think you're on the right side. And let's also not forget, too, the Eagles the last couple of weeks have lucked into some backdoor cover. So we'll see whether or not that's going to be able to continue on in the late afternoon game when they host the New Orleans Saints. One final one, and this is the Sunday night game. Uh, and I'm really excited about this play because this might be one of my best bets for the week, Jenny. You have the Steelers at plus one and a half, but DraftKings currently has it at plus two. So we'll go ahead and give you the extra half point there. Uh, currently, they're plus two on the road at Buffalo. It's a Sunday night game for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Very exciting times for them, and they're coming off a monster win 
on the road against the 49ers, which had been a top five defense up until that point, uh, and Josh Allen completely tore them apart. I, To me, Jenny, it kind of feels like this is a gross overreaction um, to Pittsburgh after just getting their schedule really messed up, um, having to play two, day, or two games in five days. Uh, it feels like an overreaction to them. They had been undefeated up until this point, and I think they should be able to, to can, at least contain Buffalo and be able to cover uh, from that two-point spread. So what do you think there? I absolutely agree. It does seem like an overreaction to last week's results. The Steelers, we thought, could go undefeated at a certain point, even though they did show flaws. You know, Mike Tomlin said the only way that they were perfect was in their records. So, okay, they finally get tripped up. But I didn't think it would be enough to to shift the line this much. I, I did a double take, to be honest, when I looked at it. So I'm with you. I do think, in my view, this would be one of the best bets, picking the Steelers in this game. Um, and I think that defense will really cause problems for Josh Allen. Um, that defense is fantastic on the back end at creating disguises, confusing opposing quarterbacks. Allen has, of course, had this remarkable season where he's taken this huge step forward, but the Pittsburgh defense is one of the best defenses in the league, and the Steelers, despite one loss, as you mentioned, with a crazy scheduling week, are still one of the best teams in the league. No doubt. And then, Frankie, the, the total in this game is seeing anywhere from 46.5 to 48, uh, and they should get James Conner back for this game as well. And Buffalo tends to be a bit of a run-funnel defense. So uh, what are your sources saying about this game? What sort of movement are you hearing uh, for the Sunday night game between the Steelers and the Bills? Yeah, we actually highlighted this game over at uh, SI Gambling on Games on the Move because this is easily the biggest mover in the entire week so far for Week 14. This is, you know, this line opens with the Pittsburgh Steelers guys laying two uh, last week out here in Las Vegas, and we've seen this line completely invert. And that's actually, like you said, is it recency bias? Is it what have you done for me lately? Is it an overreaction? Well, whatever the case may be, we've seen this line completely invert to a different favorite. This line steamed all the way up to the Buffalo Bills. Because going from a two-point dog to a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. And then actually this morning we're actually seeing some buyback on that number right now, especially specifically on the money line. This number was, you know, actually, you know, went from Buffalo uh, being an even money uh, underdog on the money line when this number first came out to Buffalo laying a dollar forty-five as, you know, at its peak. And now that number is coming down and Buffalo is only laying around a dollar thirty, a dollar thirty-five with Pittsburgh seeing plus one fifteen, plus one. 110, uh, depending on where you shop on the comeback. But, you know, there's been some buyback, guys, and I think it's, uh, you know, alluding to what you guys are looking at. I think there's some real overreaction to this line, and I think that the shops are finding value, and they're quietly starting to come in. This is going to be a game that you're going to really want to track as we get closer to kickoff on Sunday, but it looks like the value right now, the shops are feeling, is with Pittsburgh. So they've already lost the hook in most shops around town. They've got down to two at most places, even one and a halves I'm seeing as well, but I think you're onto something as well, guys, on the overall uh, total. This total dropped all the way down to 46 and a half, and it steamed early today and, you know, early this morning, all the way up to 48 at most shops around town. So there's been some strong love. And I think it's because of the fact that they believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers will be able to put points on the Buffalo Bills the same way that the San Francisco 49ers, despite being shorthanded, were able to do. And right now, who really wants to get on an under with the way that Josh Allen is throwing the ball right now? Because he's really, you know, he's playing at a high level. So if I had to make a play on this game right now, the shop, the 
sharp money from my sources have been on going over this total as opposed to backing the side. But the sharp money, there has been some respected money. I don't want to say it's much sharp money, but there's been respected money on grabbing that two and a half points. And that's why we've seen it drop down to two and one and a half. Should be a fascinating slate for week 14. Don't forget plenty more over at SI Fantasy and SI Gambling. It's the start of the fantasy playoffs. And of course, for anybody that is an SI Pro member, it is a great opportunity to participate uh, in a full ongoing chat that Frankie, you've been a big part of over in our Discord, as well as an opportunity to get a lot of these lines before they move. So if you're looking, it's si.com slash gambling, si.com slash fantasy. And you can read Jenny's outstanding work over at the Monday Morning Quarterback at Sports Illustrated and follow her on Twitter as well at Jenny Rentas. Don't be a stranger. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, I had a great time. Thanks for having me on. All right. That was great stuff by Jen, Frankie, and Ben. Once again, it's Corey Parson with the SI Gambling Podcast. We are out. Be back next week, and we get a little bit of NBA kicked off.